Welcome to another episode of Latina Life with Jenna Molina, a place where we shine the light on Latinas making an impact on our community. Today, we're shining our light on super Latina Erica de la Cruz. She's a best-selling author and personal development and manifestation expert who is transforming lives globally and impacting the online and personal growth space. She's a champion for Kenneth Cole's Mental Health Coalition, and she's the owner and editor-in-chief of LA Girl, the number one personal lifestyle publication. She is such a leader in manifesting goals, and she's here to tell us all about that. We And she also started from very humble beginnings, so I can't wait for her to share her story with everybody here. We're going to get started. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Love the topic live for it. So I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I know I am too. I am too. You have such a wonderful life. Um, and you share so much wisdom with someone with everybody. But let's start at the beginning, because I'm truly inspired from, you know, your family and, and where you started. You're from California. And yep. your parents were they from Mexico and first they were immigrants. Uh, yeah, so my mom is from Mexico. She moved here when she was around, I think between like nine and 11 years old. My father was born in Texas and he moved to California around the same age. Neither of them knew English. So it was a portion. He always joked it may as well have been Mexico where he grew up. Um, So both of them kind of moved to the state knowing no English. First generation on my mom's side is really the culmination of both of them. Yeah. Wow. And where did you grow up in California? I grew up in a town called Los Baños, which literally translates to the bathrooms in Spanish. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the settlers came to California. There were hot springs under the town. And so it was the baths. But over time, we called Los Baños the bathrooms. And so everyone jokes that I'm from a town called the bathrooms. And it's funny because it's a tiny town. There were cows, one high school, really small. And because of spelling errors and technology, they, the town city council opted to remove the Enya from the N somewhere in high school. When I was in high school, mm-hmm. huge riots. The whole town had these like Mexican flags, all of these people saying, keep the Enya. Some people saying we're dropping it for ease. So all everyone really knows it as Los Banos. That's pretty much what it is now. Um, probably for ease, I guess. I never got to the bottom of it in high school, but I thought it was interesting. (laughs) You know, that is interesting because of the fact that, I mean, listen, we all come from Latin background, right? I mean, Mexican, it's Spanish. So is that sort of erasing a little bit of who we are and our roots? It is so complex and interesting because yes, and I've grown up in California. You see all of our cities or streets they all are in, they're all translated into some form of Spanish and geography wasn't my, my strong suit. We don't mm-hmm. learn immediately about our, you know, how we came as a, as a culture and our ancestry, how the cities we live in even evolved. I haven't learned a lot of that until the recent two years of adulthood. I'm like now in my thirties and I'm like, this is interesting. I never knew any of this growing up, I just thought it was interesting that everything was in Spanish. Right. So you grow up kind of confused as to where this all fits in. Were my grandparents here and then we were kicked out? It's like this huge thing that's not really discussed or like taught to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. 
And so I take it that all of that experience helped you to decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave. Like, what was it, you know, that made you make that leave. action, take that action, leave? Yes, to leave town. Mm-hmm. So and your education. Yeah. And so it's interesting. I was, I was like a per perfectly normal self-esteem lowered 17, 18 year old girl who wanted to stay in that, in the town. And I had this boyfriend at the time, which is your whole world when you're that age. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, is. I'm going to go to the junior college mom and dad. And the economy crash was looming. So I felt like my mom and dad were busy with a lot of things. I was applying to colleges, but there was less rigor around following up on the acceptance letters. So I was a rebellious, bratty little 17, 18 year old. And I didn't follow up on them, even though I knew I should. Uh, on the acceptance letters I was getting around California. So my mom actually realized one day, hey, we need to look at all these deadlines. And I was like, see, you don't care about me. No one understands me. I'm going to stay with my boyfriend. <laughs> it's true. It's so, it's bad, man. I'm like, that's shameful. But it was me probably starving for some attention in my life. And she realized all these deadlines were looming and was on me like white on rice for the next month to urge me to go to one of these schools instead of staying in town. So she like hand herself called every theater. At the time I was pursuing theater and she called the, the theater departments in Los Angeles, in San Diego, and had me speak with the counselors personally as a favor to her as a mom. Wow. And I was super enrolled in one of the schools in San Diego. And I decided fine, I'll go. But I think looking back, my subconscious felt supported and championed the way that I was craving. And so talking to them, I followed my mom's lead and it was the single best move I've ever made. I'm so grateful to her because I didn't realize that behind the scenes, she was so busy because she was setting us up for Medi-Cal, Medicare benefits from the state, the business our, they, my parents owned a Mexican restaurant for 30 years, was closing at the time. And so I didn't realize that's what she was setting up for me, including financial aid. And like, she set me up for the road of my education and everything I'm doing now. So thank God, thank God for moms or, or figures who are pushing you in the right direction. And I look back and I'm like, if I had stayed with that high school sweetheart in that tiny town, like what would have become of yeah. my trajectory. I have no idea. Yeah. What your so, life would become. And, and the thing is, I feel like your mom not only has definitely instilled in you like a sense of resilience and a sense of power because um, you could have used what came next, the, the roadblock that your family's had to face, that your family faced um, and use that to not pursue the rest of your dreams, you know, yeah. to be disheartened. Yeah. Because tell us about the time you, you came back from school and your family's room was in financial straits, right? Yeah, absolutely. My Literally, my parents dropped me off together in our BMW, our middle class. My little sister was in the backseat to San Diego for college in Southern California. The next, the following summer, probably nine months, what, 10 months later, I went back to town and if nothing, everything 
was turned upside down, like soap opera, movie status. The house was foreclosed. The business was closed. Um, on, transparently, my parents were not together physically. My mom had moved in with a friend of ours. My father had been really falling into depression, plummeting that year because his 30-year business, he went mm -hmm. to business school. He did all of everything he built had had collapsed. And my little sister ran away, rebellious little teenager, and nothing was as I left it. So I arrived and I literally brought a friend from college thinking we were going to like swim in my swimming pool. And it really was that night and day because my, there was some, some would call it denial, but I think it was hope that our home wouldn't actually be foreclosed. So my mom chose to sort of protect me from the information she got the mayor involved, not realizing that I would arrive home and not really know what was going on. Um, so plot twist for all the ladies out there who love a telenovela. I, <laughs> I went back home to break up with my damn high school sweetheart that I almost stayed at town for. And it turned out his family and him were my saving grace. I actually ended up moving in with them which was, it was going to cause a lot more trauma in the, you know, Erica's development into independence. I obviously clearly stayed with him, but thank God that I had them to move in, like move in with. Right. So didn't get, didn't get to call that off. Ended up moving in, still love his parents to this day. Um, and, the, and that was my, yeah, that was my little safe landing pad during the summer. And I literally, in high school said, let's just go get jobs at Jamba Juice. And he was laughing. He's like, all right, fine. So we got the jobs at Jamba Juice. And then when I came back for the summer, he ended up being the one of the managers at the shop. And I went back and had to negotiate with them. Not only did I move in with him, but then I wanted my job back because I needed resources. I thought, okay, how am I going to make money? How am I going to get back to school? And I'm like, look, you all know that I'm living and with and dating this person. Put us on different shifts. I don't really care what you do. I'm showing up. Please give me my job back. I don't know what comes next. And they, they, I, I, Jamba, I love Jamba Juice forever. I'll never see one without smiling because I'm like, I don't know. It felt like a corporate job at the time. I was like, I got Jamba. So I know I'm going to stock some cash. I don't really know what to do next, but I had his parents sort of as guides because people don't realize that when you lose your home, you can't even tell this story in 30 seconds. It's wild. You have to first, we had one day to clear everything out. That came with the hope slash denial that we weren't losing it. So that was truly my mother and I, my little sister had run away. Uh, my, my father was going through a really hard time and Looking back, it was extremely tra traumatic, dramatic, um, but we had one day to do that. And then from there, my mom, because she's a powerhouse, set up like this halfway home that we got for a month, but the lights didn't work. So we tried to go there, but it was easier to stay with my boyfriend at the time. And then my mom was such a queen that she also got us, oh, I'm getting a much, that's fine. She also got us this financial, sorry, sorry, guys. 
That's okay. It's such a beautiful thing, like so admirable. She got us this financial aid to have a family hotel room for a few months as well. So after we moved from the little house with no lights, that hotel room was available, but it was very eerie. And my sister and I talk about this to this day. She wanted to go be with her friends. I wanted to be, well, I wasn't officially living with my boyfriend at the time. I kind of had everything in my car. So I would go to some friends' houses and like stay the night on their couches. But that seemed more familiar because this weird, eerie hotel room was like, you could see our parents, but there was such a transition and this feeling of nothing ever going to be the same that it's wild to think about. So then, yeah, so one day I, I pulled up with my little 93 Honda Accord and my my boyfriend at the time's parents uh, had grabbed my keys while I was hanging out in his bedroom watching TV and started unloading all the clothes from my car. And I came downstairs and they were like, so sweetheart, you're not leaving tonight and you're staying for the summer. And I agreed. And so I just kind of stayed there. I don't know what became of the hotel room. And then a lot of friends look back and they say, you know, we had no idea that that was happening, but it's because like you freeze and you try and fit in and you try and numb out the shock that you're experiencing. And the friends I grew up with are my family to this day. I always use the word family, F-R-A-M-I-L-Y. Mm-hmm. And their parents and their friendship stayed strong. So I would like go to a beach house of theirs for the summer and then like throw up in the bathroom because of nerves and anxiety, come back out like everything was fine. And then go to my boyfriend's house when we got back to town. Um, But when they realized what was going on, oh my, like they rallied. And that's where I really realized like you can reach out to the people around you. They love you. But there's these weird blocks and vulnerability that you don't want to let go of, that you don't allow that help and love in as human beings. It's, It's a weird thing to just love openly to this person who didn't raise you or who you don't have that day to day relationship with but when you do you get new new tias tios like my aunts my uncles all this extended family or friendship that turns into something so deep and it's so rare that you have that bond and connection with a person who aren't your immediate family you know what I mean so I think those are the gifts I got uh from that time in my life it was very interesting it was wild so wild so yeah. And then shock wore off. I remember like a month after I snuck, I was worried about my cat, a cat we had, our cat. So I like snuck in through this canal bank and broke into our old backyard. And then I just like sat in our backyard, not being able to go into the home my mom designed, like built. So she moved mm-hmm. here knowing no English, built a freaking business that rocked it built her beautiful dream home that she designed. And then I was just like sitting in the backyard, like looking for my cat. It's just wild to talk about some therapy. I have, I have gone through the therapy, but it's just wild to, to reminisce on, but in a weird way, it's perspective given, I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Perspective And gratitude, right? Being gratitude, which is something that you talk about quite a bit in regards to moving forward and manifesting, you know, the life that you want. 
Oh yeah. Like I was at rock bottom when I got back to college. I was like, I had a notebook. Everyone had like MacBook laptops. I saw their moms moving them in. My mother candidly, after she lost the home, that was the straw that kind of had her whole life go in a new direction. And she retreated from society. So she didn't have tech or a phone. I We lost touch for five years. So I was like mad at the people around me until I realized that my childhood nanny, who I reconnected with, was like going to flea markets and estate sales and buying all the stuff that my family owned. I had no idea it was sold into that because they were put into storage units that went unpaid. So while I was in college, my nanny built a little room for me near where I grew up. So I could go on those Christmas breaks and feel normal to go to a house with a family member. And I kept seeing stuff from my house and she would say, I kept it or I went and took it. But then one day she pulled out an urn that I recognized immediately. And it was my grandma's urn and I had been really worried about it. And she broke down and told me that she bought it back. And I just like, even right now, I had this epiphany in the moment that was like such gratitude. I could not believe she was spending her weekends getting this stuff that meant so much to me back. And like, I felt so lucky and I still do. I'm just like, wow. And I thought of all these people who were having my back and I just felt super lucky. And then I stumbled across some law of attraction content online that said that gratitude cultivates satisfaction with what you have, which attracts more to be satisfied for. And if you feel supported now, it's actually access to attracting support. If you feel like you have opportunities and a peace and serenity that you're like, you have everything you need now, you cultivate that gratitude and the universe rewards the appreciation with more to be appreciative for. So I had nothing to lose. So I started like almost scientifically like an experiment saying, okay, would this really work? I journaled mm -hmm. every day about all the stuff that I had from like my MacBooks, but also the, the deep stuff, like appreciation for my roommates, friends, extended family at the time and my free therapy at school this one counselor I had and I was like oh my gosh I have like a whole team behind me I have places to go and I'm like balling I don't need daddy's credit card and I threw myself into really feeling that way and I started seeing results that blew my mind and it's the big ones at first that have to turn your it was like, I would write about it. I know this is crazy, but I would write about checks or amounts or opportunities at work that I wanted to see. And I would receive these crazy checks that I hadn't even applied for. It said that I was qualified for this student grant in the same numbers. And I think it was the universe saying, hey girl, we're giving you like the creme de la creme. Do not doubt me. Put your full faith in something beyond what you're made of. Like that's when I realized we're all interconnected. And I would say 
that it is law of attraction. And I read a lot of um, books on physics, natural physics, the laws of physics, but it also corresponds to something super spiritual. There's a trust in faith that just like allows you to bring in what your soul desires and who your soul's demanding you to be because it hurts to feel without for so long. It really mm. is more painful to feel like you're at such a deficit for so long, but the willpower to start pretending or feeling and claiming in the other direction is also painful. It takes like a lot of discomfort to do. And so I think that's why a lot of people avoid it. But I was like so depressed without my mom. And I just felt like the willpower was so easily attainable because I had I was like pretty much at the ground floor. <laughs> so I was now, like, let's try this. And I started becoming super passionate about um, all these things. Like my whole wall, all of my walls were covered in who I meant to be, who I'm thinking, the world that I am already. Affirmations literally were my actual wallpaper on my windows and doors. And I just became this like science project. But it was great because I realized that this works. Um, so it was good. Not to say that it was off to the races for years after it started with such a bang and it's a habit and a discipline to keep in that state of mind. And you're going to have your roadblocks to excrete and, and churn out the pain that now the, your previous traumas are ready to let go of. And then you go to another level. Um, so this isn't toxic positivity that I preach. It's, it's a choice and a release combined. It's like a wheel. It's interesting. And Erica, so when you were still, weren't you like the youngest female? Like, when did you start really seeing things change? Not only with the checks and, and stuff when you were in school, but you really became, you started becoming. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I was, um, so I was interning at a broadcast company, Intercom Broadcasting. They were interviewing me for what I thought was this entry-level coordinator position. And then I like shocked the whole world and San Diego market. And they offered me a job. I thought it was a pretty rigorous interview process for such an entry-level position. But they offered me a marketing director, promotions director, salaried health benefit, corner office position. And I had just turned 23 years old. And... I was shocked. A lot of people quit that day. I was too happy, too peppy. Uh, I was a woman. All of I was with like 50-year-old men in that department head role in these meetings. Lots of people lit fires. The day that I came on, we lost so many staff members in rebellion to my hiring. And I was really? like, God. yeah, the general manager came in and he did Rick Jackson. I love him. He did sit down and he said, hey, kid, whatever blowback you're feeling, put the blame on me because they should have opened the hire. They only interviewed five people for the position that they had their eye on. And looking back, I guess HR should have opened it to the world because a lot of people felt they were in the running for this position that hmm. HR didn't open up. Now, I just came in with some optimism. Um, I went to hug my intern coordinator and he wiggled out of my grip and was like, yo, 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 yo. 
And he never talked to me again. Pardon. And I realized like later, I looked at my journals and I was like, I don't really know what to do other than to buy a new wardrobe. So I went to Ross the day I got the job and I should have been like, yeah, I'll start in a month or two weeks. I had just three days after graduating college. I was like, okay, I'll start Monday. The only thing I knew to do was go buy new clothes because I didn't know how to, I was like, that sounds like a good next step. And the journals after my first day were like, I'm optimistic. I'll learn to use my computer Mm -hmm. because I didn't even know how to turn it on. (laughs) But the universe put me in this leadership role into another gauntlet that I didn't understand. And I was always underestimated. We would go into Disney for media days with all the news outlets. And I would be sitting across from, I'll never forget this woman, lover. This woman just stared me down the entire meeting. I was with my two male colleagues, um, this little girl, and she wanted to walk me over to the hot dog stand in Tomorrowland where her son, who was the same age, was starting out to earn his stripes working at the cart so that I would like be sent a message that I'm not supposed to be here. I should have worked my way up. And I'm like, you know what, whatever societal, the societal ringer puts in front of you, if you just believe for the big juicy opportunities, if you believe that everything's coming your way, it's not going to agree with the way that the world wants you to do it. And sometimes you're going to be just as qualified. They wanted someone who knew Twitter and vlogging. And that was my specialty. I came in and I tried my best. And uh, no, a lot of people looking back, I realized people were trying to take me out and bring me down. But at the time I had this mm-hmm. blaze over me and I was like, oh, it's so good to meet you. Like, I didn't realize that people were walking me into try and weed me out. I, I don't really know. It and was interesting. Good. Sometimes you just good to like, just focus on what you're doing. Right. And not what anyone else is doing. I totally empathize with you because coming out of college, and I think I, yeah. told you, I think I told you the story, same, similar thing here. I was KCBS. Um, you know, I worked paid interns at, you know, internship at KTLA, this and that. And then they hired yep. um, me on as a paid intern at KCBS, it's no longer there. Now it's new house, you know, on sunset, it's yep. all changed and everything. Um, and it was ending and my mentor, he's still my mentor right now. He's the executive director over at um, Project Angel Food, Richard Ayub, amazing. Yeah. Said, okay, we're going to keep you on. And he's like, we're hiring, you know, we're hiring you on as the graphics coordinator. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know graphics, but like you're saying, it's you're going in and it's all like 40 year old guys, you know, men, you're 100%. like hundreds in there. And who's going to like listen to you and who's not. And I would come in with all these ideas and yes, you felt like the energy in the room, just like, like nobody, you know, you just had to keep on yes. going, keep on doing your thing and hundred percent believe in you. And then I, obviously, yes, everybody warmed up and this and that, but it's so funny. Cause that's where we met our friend, Caroline Bull. That's where I met her. No way. Producers. Um, and she knew what she was doing. I just totally admired her. And, um, she scared me a little bit <laughs> because she knew exactly what she was doing. I was just a kid. And I remember having to go up and you'd have to do these graphics in between like the news breaks, like, okay, they'll come yep. out, go to the commercials. And she would, and I, I would sit there, I'd come in and she's like, okay, do your thing. I'm like, oh my God, I got two minutes to do it. You're like, please don't fail. Please don't fail. Oh you know? yeah. Yep. Yep. Here we go. And it's interesting that we're so, it's just like this timid, shy, interesting energy when you're going into it. And I remember 
my speaking of mentors, I was, when I was interning, I was on a morning show and the morning show host came in and he had sent me emails all day, really saying, I need to talk to you urgently. And he noticed that I took off this purple sparkly laptop case and my pink uh, phone cover because now I was corporate and he disciplined, he goes, you keep your freaking sparkly laptop cover on you be you. That's something I still struggle with is the right way to do things. Like we always think there's a right way. The world yeah. is more comfortable with, with systems and stereotypes that keep you organized and, and the way to do things, what to wear. I was the first yeah. ever department head who wasn't a dude and I didn't want to wear radio t-shirts. So like that was a whole other world. It was like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to be judged for wearing? And other people don't have to go through that. And since this is a Latina focused podcast, one of my department heads was from Tijuana because we were in San Diego. I always bonded with him because he was from Me born and raised in Mexico, like commuted from TJ every day. Wow. Yeah. There was mm -hmm. always a narrative of like, yeah, you know, you want tacos. Like there was just always this Mexican narrative as well mm -hmm. in corporate that didn't shift at all from elementary school to high school. I never saw myself in those stereotypes, but crossing the border was always the funniest joke in California. Growing mm. up in high school, in college, where in the first yeah. month I joined college, my mom was still in my life. And I'll never forget her coming to a sorority perspective, sorority lunch where they were going to like recruit me. And someone told her, are you something about, are you from here or go back to your country um, at this country club? And my mom turned up. I mean, it's interesting. And I was so pissed. I'll just, I'll never forget hearing that because it exists and there's always these weird narratives and jokes yeah that I find are almost too integrated, like yeah. crossing borders and eating tacos are like way too, way too comfortable in the language of everyday speak in mm -hmm. our world as humor for me. Cause yeah. I wasn't, I didn't ever relate to that. I didn't think it was funny. Like growing up, it was like beaner was used every other word. And even though my parents owned a Mexican restaurant, lost margaritas, I was never really targeted, but I think it's because one, I'm, I'm white passing. You don't know if you don't know Two, I think owning the restaurant, the income and class we were associated with and the parent circles, I don't know, maybe didn't really warrant for being teased, but I always knew that I was relieved not to be, I always knew that I was like, Ooh, at least I'm not really being teased with those kind of things. But fast forward to corporate world, that was so in the everyday language of everyone. And I'm like, why does no one see this elegance um, of Mexico, mm -hmm. this elegance and like bossdom? And I'm very into fashion. I felt horribly underrepresented and, yeah. and just pigeonholed into a lot of what was talked about. It's so interesting, right? The society will... If something's popular enough to be talked about enough repetitively, that's what we adopt as nor the norms. 2020 broke a lot of that, though. Good job, 2020. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> True. 
about LA girl and how that happened because that's current doing and yes. And that's very big. So I want to get into that. Yeah, for sure. So the LA girl was another universe left turn that I didn't think my life would take. But um, after, after Intercom Broadcasting, I hosted Fashion Week and was on a late night show for a while. And then I was approached to tell my story in the public eye on this thing called uh, Sue Talks. And it was the female equivalent of a TED Talk. I gave it. My business partner now approached me to put out a book. He he published the Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur Soul oh. series, if you know those. Yeah. So he found me. We met. I spearheaded this book and he asked me to find 30 other powerful women crushing it in their industries whose stories we could highlight in every chapter of the book. So I had just moved to LA. I met someone from Awesomeness TV. She was a marketing director there. She had started the LA girl. And at the time it was 2014 and blogs were popping. It was allowing her to make an income that would soon let her leave awesomeness because she didn't want to be in television anymore. Mm -hmm. So we met, we became business besties, if you will. The book had a lot of success and we continued doing projects together. So till she approached me in 2019 and said, love the LA girl, but it's ranking more for lifestyle fashion events, which I did all the time. She was more, she gravitated toward hiking, outdoorsy. She was departing from the LA market, moving to the Midwest and was like, I didn't build this to sell, but there's only one person that I would trust to acquire it. And what I've built, I would trust in your hands. She was a Filipina immigrant. She came here with nothing. We knew each other very well. And it didn't make sense at the time negotiating. We went back and forth, 2020 hit and all of the terms fell into place. And I ended up acquiring the LA girl that I thought would take up a day a week, but it was filled with all this opportunity that was directly aligned with my interests, my skill sets. I was doing live events for TV personalities and personal growth at the time annually. I stopped them because the universe was like, you've just been given something that is self-generating opportunity and you could go capitalize on it. So it's now the number one personal lifestyle publication in Los Angeles, ranks number one for where to shop. It's proudly Latina owned. We're doing so much more with it. Yes. Yeah, baby. With Hispanic heritage directives. And I love you ladies because my affinity is always in mainstream media. We in mainstream media, like the TV sector, the the things that are put out on our screens that we're all behind that you're doing every day are what I believe impact the greatest impact for the greatest good and have the ability to shape what the people are thinking about in the world. And I thought I would lose that ability not being corporate. And I looked at people like Jay Penske, who was acquiring South by Southwest, True Hollywood Reporter, Rolling Stone. And he was doing it this weird entrepreneurial way but he got to still dictate what these mainstream giants were putting out into popular culture. So I got the LA girl and I kind of felt like, how am I ever going to get to work in that mainstream sector? I don't want this to just be a tiny market publication. 
And literally around the time Patty was coming on board, uh, Patty, who connected us here today, Patty Serrato, Castillon, I love her two last names. We were being courted by someone named She Media. And I said, who's She Media? We took all of these meetings and it turns out there is a subsidiary of Penske Media who owns True Hollywood Reporter and She Media became our parent publisher. They're based in New York. So the LA girl is under them. They're a publishing parent, if you will. And we got to interact with these huge brands globally in a way and direction that I couldn't have set forth if I didn't trust my gut. I thought I would have to like work the corporate ladder to be able to play in that sector. But the LA girl had all these little hidden gems inside of it that the universe teed up for me. And it was a good lesson in trusting trusting what I love. Sometimes we think what we love is an access to what we dream about. And I'm learning more and more that when it's what you love, it feels smaller because it's more intimately connected to your purpose. But the purpose sends out a frequency so large that it's able to pull in the, the beautiful global impact that's vibrating at the same frequency. So your intentions match what you love not what you think you should climb, not what you think you should be working in, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's been an interesting road, but I've been in love with it. Yeah. Completely. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Melia. Oh, no, I was going to say, because LA Girl is so big, I actually found out about it through my daughter. And so- I'm so excited to hear that. (laughs) He was like, mom, look. And and I'm like, what is this? And so then I started looking and then this uh, last year I met Patty. So- um, it was just so interesting how everything sort of comes together. But one of the things that I also love is your belief in manifestation. And you really do a lot of self-work pro- uh, workshops and stuff, which you recently did. Um, I'm very yep. big in the world. That's sort of how this year I dedicated myself to really diving back into it because I used to do it a lot. Um, yeah. And I away so explain to us because I feel like because you've been doing it for so long at such a young age um your entire life yeah together for you now in your adult life right so you are not everybody because you I feel your energy so I can already feel that you believe it you see it you 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 live it right yeah yeah I and totally- just jumping in really quickly because of the sessions that you did. And I think we talked a little about this. Like I was not a number one believer in vision boarding because I really didn't yep. understand it. I didn't grasp it. And, you know, totally. definitely knew more about it than I did. So having done your session, you know, if you can explain too for other people, it kind of felt like it was like a two part because it's not just about sitting down and just cutting out pictures. It's about a hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. So the the session we're talking about is a vision boarding session. And I began vision boarding somewhere in the trajectory of that first job I mentioned. And people think you cut out some photos, they inspire you at the time. Do they really work? Is it a fun thing to do? But I always say that vision boarding is a verb. People who take it out once, put it away, they never look at it again, they don't interact or use it. They're wondering why the things that they've forecasted in their future vision for themselves haven't come to fruition, but they've not connected 
with the plan. They've not with conviction said, this is mine as a done deal. I think because I practice it a lot, I always need to come back to dumbing it down for even my husband. He loves to hear the second grade version of manifestation because he's logical and he needs to, which is everything is a vibration. You're vibrating at the frequency of the things that you want to see in your life. You're sending out this vibration into the universe. It's an energetic force. It's atoms vibrating at that frequency that you're vibrating at so that it's a match. It's like when you think of someone and they call, it's all energy. It's all a frequency in the universe. And when you get closer to vibrating, pretend that I want to pull in more luxury travel and having more luxury travel would make me feel at peace, uh, free and powerful. If I'm waiting to see the luxury travel in my life, it's reactionary consciousness. I can react by becoming peaceful, free and powerful, but creation consciousness is manifestation where you create it mentally and physiologically in your body so that you feel that way now. You see the things that you put forth on your vision board. You claim them as a done deal. You know in your life that you're expecting to see tickets pop out of nowhere. Expedia is going to pop in this deal that you've never dreamt of. Work is going to send you somewhere. The types of hotels are going to upgrade you to a more luxurious feel. You're interacting with your space at home like you would in your yummy luxury hotel that you would be in. I literally, I put chocolates on my pillow at night. I write myself custom notes that I would want to see from hotels. This is literally what I do. You put yourself in the frequency of having it already and bet your booty, you are going to see it more rapidly. It's like chasing the thing with a to-do list is one thing and it stays almost equidistant if you will. But if you define who you're going to be, I'm going to be powerful, free and trusting right now that I already have those things in my reality. My body is going to be vibrating at it. It's like you, you think of a red car, you see them more frequently. That's because thoughts all hold an energy pattern that correspond with the thought you're having. So you're ordering up through your thoughts, you're forecasting your future. And if you look around at your reality now, you can see the constant thoughts that play in your head every day. Humans have self-doubt. I do. But that's why you have to work in manifestation like you do brushing your teeth every day because it's about momentum, gaining the momentum in your physiology to pull in that which you want to see uh, now. And so that's a little bit about manifestation. I think I had one more full circle on that. But if you have questions, tell me because other people probably do. And I could riff on it for so long. Oh, I know. I believe in it. Yeah. I and think where, just... Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, just because I, you know, like going in and not knowing how to do it, what helped me what understand it more and connecting it was the fact that you guided everybody in regards to the important questions, like who you were in the past, who you are now and who you want to be and then breaking yeah. it down on like the intentions. I mean, that's when I got it. Like, oh, okay, we're saying intentions and it's repetition, right? Yep, exactly. Like you are creating, you're manifesting all day and you're manifesting the soundtrack of whatever is playing in your mind. 
whatever feeling physiological state you're in constantly is manifesting. So you may as well do it on purpose. That people laugh and they're like, oh, let me set an intention. Your intention, the universe reads as a frequency. So even though the machinery of your mind will spit off the things to keep you safe and small, like you're not ready yet. Who do you think you are? You don't have enough support for that. That's not possible. Your intention can bring you back to my intention is to live powerful, free, and at peace. Are these thoughts conducive to the intention I set forth? It takes energy, action. So I always say create it with emotion because if you set an intention at will, it's not going to solidify into your DNA as transformation. It's going to stay as information. But when you create it with emotion and you really put your body into the peaceful space of gratitude that you would be, then that emotion creates your intentions to become in motion. And it starts this momentum of frequency into the universe. And it's just a game of getting yourself into that space more often. That's where repetition comes in. This isn't a hardcore regimen and methodology as much as it's feeling better more often. And it's not ignoring pain, but releasing it is access to transformation. And that little girl, like we're women here, but that little girl mentality that wants to keep you safe, those will come to your attention to transform much more clearly when you have when you're practicing manifestation, because you're constantly going to try and feel your best. So what blocks you from being there is going to be at the forefront. You will not be able to ignore it. Um, that's the other beauty and messy thing that comes up in manifestation is when you're aligned with the universe, it's going to kick your ass a little bit because you won't be able to ignore that glaring self-esteem issue that you've had since you were in seventh grade. You're going to have to confront why it is that you feel that no one understands you. When weren't you understood in your path? Do you need a moment of prayer? Do you need meditation? Do you need an energy clearing? Do you need a therapy session? The universe will demand it of your soul when your intention is to become who your soul has asked you to be on the planet. And that's what I'm finding is I'm easing easy on myself because the universe now shows me when I'm not meant to be somewhere and on paper, for example, I know I'm meant to be doing things every day because it's going to take me to where I need to go. But the universe is like, we need you to rest. But my ego and all the things that I've learned as an achiever type A person is like, you got to do, 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 do. <laughs> Even though I preach being, my machinery still says do, do, do. But the universe It'll, it'll put blocks in front of me to keep reminding me that I better tap out for a second because it's requiring, it's required of the journey that I've committed to. So it's a commitment to self, a commitment to creating who you're going to be. It's victor mentality instead of victim. It's getting better, not bitter at the situations that you're seeing every single day. And it's a practice. It's not overnight. It's just a commitment. It's just like you don't want cavities. So you're brushing and maybe flossing daily. 
I don't want to see my ego have control over my life. I don't want to stay sad and in a rut for days on end. I want to commit to the bigger person I see for my life. And when those sad things come, I want to transform them, never stuff them down. But that commitment, mm, the universe will have you see it. It'll be in the medical report. It'll be in a heaven forbid, but a, a car collision. It'll take you out to stay put if that's what the universe requires. Or if you're maybe getting too laxed and you're that type of person, it'll get you out of bed in ways that your soul can't ignore. And that's the beautiful part is you get to dance in your life instead of being a passenger. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Big one. Now that it's January and it's the new year, because I know we have to like wrap this up because I could talk about this forever. Um, are you're holding classes, are you? Or are you? Okay? And where yeah. can people go? So they can go to ericadelacruz.com. I have a five days to manifestation mini course. I recorded this for one of my best friends and I still practice it four times a year to get my, to remind myself of the laws of physics and the laws of the universe, the laws of manifestation as a tune up for myself. So now I just give it free to anybody who wants to tune themselves up. So that's on ericadelacruz.com. And then we meet four times a year virtually. So we just did the first one. It was a vision board party. It's January now. The next one is April 6th. It's reflection and refocus. What's gotten in the way of the intentions you set for yourself at the beginning of the year. We'll chat all of that through, do some Q&A on April 6th. And all of the other dates for the year are set forth on ericadelicruz.com. So we're going to have fun and come chill and hang out. <laughs> I love I love it so much. Jen, is there anything else you want to ask before we go? Oh my gosh, yeah, we could talk about this forever. Now, thank you so much, Erica. We really appreciate you. All the work that you're doing. Appreciate your story, your inspiration. I appreciate you having this platform. Thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. We're just so happy that we're able to showcase and share all these stories to our Latina community, to all of our hermanas out there. So for everybody out there who's listened, you know, thanks for dropping in, for listening. And let's, you know, let's set our intentions this year, right? Let's manifest. As Erica says, let's get better, not bitter. And yeah. uh, can't wait to hear many, many more stories this year. Everyone keep listening to our stories on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you can, you know, listen to a podcast. And until next time, besos y abrazos. Bye. Besos y abrazos. Oh, how cute that is. Love that. So good.